0: I am deviating from our Mark series this morning. Uh, Jennifer and I had some really good conversations this weekend, and uh, some of the, sometimes those conversations just start percolating other thoughts, and I was praying. just just kind of felt that this morning I would, needed to talk about anxiety. So, worry and anxiety. By a show of hands... Has anybody in here ever experienced worry or anxiety? Just go ahead and raise your hand. This should probably be 100%, okay? Now, there's another category of of people. Uh, Those are the people who have a name for the anxiety uh, and sometimes a personal pronoun for the anxiety, like they say, my anxiety. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Because you talk about it so much and are so aware of it You personalize it and say, it's mine. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Some people are way more familiar with that. This is my anxiety. Okay. Uh, If you name it something else, like Bill or Frank or whatever, that's probably problematic in other directions. Um, But anxiety is something that everybody deals with. And we're going to see in Scripture that Jesus presupposes that it's a fight that we all have to have. Um, and I want to emphasize this morning that the way we will talk about anxiety is fighting it, not naming it. Does that make sense? We're going to talk about fighting it, not naming it. Okay, we'll get, we'll get into that. I need volunteers. Now, if you have anxiety over public speaking, this is your chance to overcome it because I'm going to need you to read out loud and I am holding this microphone because for the sake of podcast people and for the sake of those watching the video later, your voice is going to be heard. so it will go on the internet where potentially trillions of listens and views can happen. none of our none of our YouTube videos so far have any more than 65 views, but it's possible possible that we could crest over a hundred. So just want you to be aware. So Daniel, if you would come up, he just sat down. It's my favorite thing in the world, right? So now Daniel is a lot less compassionate than me. So I need people to raise your hand to volunteer or he will just start giving them out. So no, don't, I'm not allowing you to pick because you'll find all the people that hate it the most and give it to them. That's the, Okay, so raise your hand. I just need some volunteers. One hand. Holy moly. Lord, help us all. Okay, well, Daniel, you walked right by a hand, but that's okay. Guys, let's, we're going to have to have some hand raising. I'll start pointing people out from the crowd. So I saw Janet. Alright, give one to Abby. Okay, somebody else? I need I need some help. Okay, we got Leanne over here. Part of my sermon is to illustrate anxiety because you're all feeling it right now. See? See how see how good this is? Oh, we got we got Hannah Wellman over here. And Daniel's getting exercise. Running across the sanctuary. Daniel, no comments from you, please. How many we got left? Three, so you're going to keep one, Daniel. Anybody else? All right, we got John. There's one more. We've seen one more. All right. All right, so Daniel, you get to keep one. Okay. Now, here's what we need to do. I'm going to start over here. Ellie, I'm going to start with you. And this is what I want everybody to do is just listen to these verses as they're read. So I'm going to start with you and then pass it to Hannah, and then Hannah, just whoever's closest to you. You can stand up. That would be great. We'll make the camera guys do awesome stuff here.
1: I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, O Holy One of Israel, your Savior.
0: And that was Isaiah Isaiah 41, or 43, 1 through 3. Okay, go ahead, Hannah.
1: Fear not, for I am with you, be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is who it is I who say to you, Fear not, I am the one who helps you. Isaiah forty one, ten, thirteen.
0: There you go. You have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid, what can man do to me? Psalm 56, 8-11. through 11.
1: Do you want me to stand or just sit? You can do
0: whatever you want.
1: Okay. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies, of the son of man who is made like grass? Isaiah fifty-one eleven and 12.
0: Awesome. Anybody noticing a theme in some of these verses?
1: What then shall we say to these things? who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long; we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Romans eight thirty six through thirty seven. Good job. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 27, 1.
0: You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. Psalm 91, 5 through 9. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear.
1: What can man do to me? Psalm one eighteen, five through six.
0: When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of the sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Proverbs three twenty four through twenty six. Okay. So everybody heard. Is there one more? Oh, Janet's got one. In God,
1: phrase, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Psalm 56, 4.
0: Thank you, everyone. Now, why do I do stuff like that? I, just because. I think it is helpful to have you all Engaged in the reading of the scripture. Uh, And for those of you that read it, it's very helpful uh, to hear your own self say it out loud and not just the preacher um, that the scripture is for all of us and it pertains to all of us. And a sermon on Sunday about anxiety is not just another sermon and a long series of sermons that you endure throughout your life as a Christian waiting to die and go to heaven, but that we are here together for a purpose, to grow, and Rob said it so well about communion, we are a part of a family of God, a local body, and we grow in our understanding through the Word of God, illuminated by the Holy Spirit. So if you notice the theme all throughout all those verses, and trust me, there are more. There are so many verses dealing with fear. And some of them uh, dealt specifically with being afraid of man. Some of them dealt with being afraid in general. Some of them talked about sleeping at night with peace. Some of them talked about that even in the midst of uh, nakedness and famine and sword and terror, that in all these things we're more than conquerors. All of them have the theme that God is with us, all of them and that is the reason not to be afraid. The reason the Bible talks so much about anxiety and fear is because it is, to use a $10 word, ubiquitous. It's everybody. It's everywhere. It's all of us that, to a varying degree, deal with it. In our culture, and in our day, we have way more methods of coping with it, dealing with it, medicating it, counseling it, discussing it, armchair quarterbacking it. Does everybody know what I mean by that? Well, I know what they got. They probably got some PTSD and OCD. They probably got this. I've seen enough of the television talk shows to know that when people are like this, this is probably what they are. So we diagnose ourselves. We diagnose others. We self-medicate. We do all kinds of things. To deal with anxiety, we take me days. I need to engage in self care, which, by the way, is one of those things that just absolutely drives me insane. But uh, we we do all this stuff and talk all this way, and yet I have an unscientific poll, uh, and that poll is this: We are way more stressed out and anxious than anybody has ever been. We are obsessed with ourselves. And therefore, the internal looking at ourselves all the time only creates anxiety. We were not designed to spend all of our life fixing ourselves. But we are kind of addicted to self-improvement. I'm not wrong, am I? I'm not wrong. The reason I know I'm not wrong is You can see the fruit of an anxious culture, anxiously trying to improve itself, uh, anxiously trying to get over things, anxiously trying to get more. Um, And over the last two years, as COVID has turned our world upside down, economics have turned upside down, politics are so divided you can't even talk. At all. Everything is so divided. The masks and the vaccines divide everybody. And as soon as you hear somebody talk, you label them. You know what they are. You know who they are. You put them off in this box. And this box is either the box of people you like or the box of people that belong in the garbage to be burned. And there is no place in between. Love, charity, and Christian ethics. Who cares? They're one of those people that are not vaccinated. That's in the box to be burned. Or, they're one of those people who got vaccinated and bowed down to the government, they're in my box to be burned. Whatever the case is, for you, this is what we're all feeling. The anxiety over everything, over top of all that is economics and money and jobs and what's going to happen in people I love, are they going to get sick and die, all the stuff that's swirling around. The uncertainties have never been, in my lifetime, that's the only lifetime I've got to really compare never been worse. There's never been more uncertainty hovering around. And if I would be totally honest, I have noticed that there's a lot of things we just took for granted my entire life, like stability. Does anybody my age know what I'm talking about? Just the normalcy of going to the grocery store and looking at somebody and not thinking, I bet he thinks that way. The way he's dressed is this. The way she looks, she's probably one of them. I don't know if your brain is doing that. Mine is. Now, when I notice it doing it, I have to tell it to stop, but that's what happens. I'm not even talking about Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or whatever else nonsense is out there, but, but we we just have really created silos and we put people in them and we label ourselves according to whatever this silo is, I follow the science. You don't follow the science silos. Right? Now, I haven't talked a lot about this. It's incredibly uncomfortable for all of us, especially the one talking. Because I know there's differences of opinion, and somehow, once upon a time, that used to be okay. It used to be okay. You used to be able to joke about things like, like it, the same way I would make fun of Rob for the Pittsburgh Steelers losing to the Cleveland Browns, and we, and and I know, it, I mean, it probably deeply bothers him, and it should if that happens, but. But we could joke about that, but I, I can't go, you can't hardly go outside of that. And even the sports has become politicized. It, it, you, it's, it's incredible what has happened. And, and we are all affected by it. We're affected by it because we are not supposed to be looking at people in any other regard than what Rob said this morning through the lens and the family of the blood of Jesus that unites us in a body of believers. We were baptized by one spirit into one body. One body. So the anxieties of our 2021 life are different than they've ever been. And they exacerbate the anxieties that have always been around. There's never been a generation of people not worried about money, ever, ever. In fact, my position this morning is going to be that it is that anxiety that is the king of anxieties. And you're thinking, maybe not, because I don't really care about money, especially when you're uh, a kid. But all of of everybody is thinking, what am I going to do with my life? Right? Every teenager in the room is thinking, Where am I, what am I going to do with my life? And why are you thinking that? Because there's something you should be doing. And that normally means I have to have some kind of career or purpose or something because you're probably not destined to go live in the woods like Tarzan. I don't think that's going to happen with anybody in here. Everybody in here is going to become a part of society. You're either going to go to a trade school, or you're going to get a job, or you're going to to go to college. You're going to do something. So every one of us feels that from young age all the way up to uh, when you're retired, and you're hearing about the Evergrande bond market falling apart. If you haven't heard about that yet, that'll be a new anxiety this week for everyone. Uh, In China, and it's a crazy story, and it's really crazy when you read it, uh, and like, wait, is my pension going to be okay? Is my 401k going to be okay? We, we have all this stuff hovering over us. Are we going to lose jobs? Can we get people to work in them? There's, there's lots of stuff going on. Our world is really different than it was two years ago. It's not even close to the same. Not even close and we are all tremendously affected. So having said that, that's all I'm going to say about what's going on. I think I'm just stating the obvious. I don't think I'm saying anything that's outlandish. But what I what I am preaching is what Rob said, which all I did this morning was say, Rob, I want you to lead communion. And that was the depth of our conversation. He said he would. And then he says, really, led by the Spirit of God, uh, this Beautiful reality of the body of Christ united together in Christ by his blood through the Spirit of God and church that must be stronger than any other affiliation you've got. Any other affiliation, you are not allowed to put your brothers and sisters in Christ in the garbage box to be burned because their opinions are different. You you can't do it. You, You are then saying, my life outside of Christ, which doesn't exist, by the way. There isn't such a thing, but that's what we're trying to do. I've got this other life outside of Christ with all these other opinions, and you're contrary to that, so these opinions supersede my relationship with Christ and yours, and that's why I'm jettisoning you out the door of my life, and I have no regard for you because you're on the wrong side of the aisle on whatever it is. We cannot be that way. We must be unified. Now, yes, there must be unity around truth. There must be unity, though. That truth has got to be a Bible truth. So, with that in mind... I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. My appeal is that we would not allow anxiety of any kind, of any stripe, to define the way we interact with each other, or to define the way we interact at work, or the way that we go to bed at night. The Bible is so explicitly clear to stop being afraid... It is just everywhere. It is in the law. It is in the prophets. It is in the wisdom literature. It is in the Psalms. It is in the New Testament Gospels. It is in the epistles. It's in the prophetic revelation literature. It is everywhere in be afraid. I'm God and you're mine. And that should actually be the conclusion of the sermon. If you can get that... That he's God and you belong to him, there is no reason for fear. Was it Olivia that read Romans 8? Romans 8? That, that verse where it says, We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. What will separate us from the love of Christ? Persecution? Famine? Tribulation? Nakedness or sword? No. And all those things, no matter what happens to us, we are more than conquerors. The battle cry of the Christians in studying church history is really helpful for this. The battle cry of the Christians that were being persecuted is, if I die, it is gain. I go to heaven. If you kill me, I go to heaven. If I stay alive, I proclaim the name of Christ. My life is hidden with Christ in God. I'm swallowed up by Him so nothing else matters yes it would be nice to have a better car and a better house yes it would be nice to get a promotion yes it would be nice to have more money but but those are not those are the these things they're irrelevant in comparison to Christ this is true in the first century when they were being thrown to the lions and it's true today as we face an uncertainty that we never anticipated facing. I never anticipated facing. I grew up trying to prepare my heart and mind for nuclear war because I had watched all the Cold War movies, right? Do I have any other 80s kids that watched those movies? So in my mind, Russia was coming over here with nuclear weapons and that's the kind of thing we needed to be ready for. No clue that we had to be ready for opinions on Facebook as the true nuclear winter of our culture. Okay. Go to Matthew 6. We're going to start reading with verse 19. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This is the famous, famous sermon. Everything I'm going to read, you've heard before. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice he does not say, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Isn't that a weird and strange juxtaposition of the words? Where your treasure is, where the thing you value is, that's where your heart is. So you better make sure that what you value is eternal and not temporary. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. This is scary. If the way that you are viewing and seeing And the way that your treasure is, where your treasure's at, is going to create either a life of light or darkness. And that's what he says, If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness! No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Have you heard this before? Therefore, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. I'll stop right there. Whenever the Bible uses a therefore, whenever whenever a therefore is used anywhere, you need to stop and see what it's there for. Why is it there? What did he just say that connects these two? This thought. So, um, at my house I may say, I was up at 4 a.m. and couldn't sleep, therefore, I'm taking a nap. Implied is, hey kids, be quiet. Right? That's in my house. But, But everybody can follow the train of thought. I was up late, therefore, I'm taking a nap. Jesus says, nobody can serve two masters, therefore don't be anxious about your life. I don't know if you've thought of it that way, but that's what he's saying. Nobody can serve God and money, therefore don't be anxious about your life. Specifically, we know he's talking about money, because he says what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Jesus says you cannot serve money and God. Therefore, don't be anxious. Does anybody see a connection here? Let's keep reading. Jesus then brings in an illustration. Look at the birds of the air. Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. They're not worried about it. Are you not of more value than they? And Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Is telling us to fight anxiety. And he's telling us to fight it by acknowledging that it's there. Because he says, stop doing it. Because he knows everybody does it. He's specifically saying, stop worrying about your life. You can't serve God and money. The implication is that our anxiety is rooted in our lack of trusting God. Our serving money is, I got to get more, I don't have enough. You may not have money and you're serving it. Because how do you serve God? How do you worship God? Thinking about Him talking about Him, loving Him, discussing Him, making plans to come to church, making plans to read your Bible, making your life about and around God, and how do you serve money? You serve money the same way. Talking about it, thinking about it, making plans around it. How do I make it work? How do I make it work better? I have to be careful here. Because the Bible has a lot to say about stewardship. Okay? So I'm not saying that making plans about money is wrong. It's right. But the overwhelming service to money is the constant affection and thinking of and preoccupied with it rather than saying, here's the money we make. Here's how we're going to use it. Thank you, Lord. How do we do it for you? And then... Live my life with my kids and my wife and my family. Live my life at work, working as hard as I can, and not trying to weasel my way through things to gain advantages. Not spending all of my time clicking through the financial articles, trying to figure out what the best investments are now listen investment and i 'm not against investing. I have a license to do it and all that good stuff. I work at a bank for crying out loud so I understand what the planning is supposed to be, but what Jesus is describing is the anxious servitude that comes from constantly worried about the future with money. And I don't know of anybody who has not felt it. And when things are uncertain, you feel it more. I have never had more conversations with people concerned about what's going to happen with their job. I've never had more conversations. I mean never had more conversations with people that are concerned about all kinds of things. We're in the middle of a strange time, and it's not just COVID. The, the, the global connectivity of our world and things like Bitcoin and the the changes and the shifts. Our world is just, everything's different. And you can get lost in the worry of what's happening. And Jesus is telling you not to do that. Jesus is saying, here's your object lesson. Look at the birds, look at your watch, and look at the fields. If you look at the birds... They're not putting their food in barns, but they never go hungry. You're more valuable than the birds. He doesn't say, look at your watch. But he says, which of you can add an hour to your life by being anxious? None of you can add any time to your life or trying to make up for lost time by being worried. And when you look at the flowers in the field, which are here today, and then they're gone tomorrow, and not even Solomon was dressed like these, then how much more is God going to take care of you? The moral of the story is is that God, in all the verses we read this morning, God is with us. He is not leaving us. God is God over birds, fields, and time. He's God over you. He will be with you no matter what happens. If we wake up tomorrow and find out that there is a nuclear war in the Middle East and it's coming this way, will that shake everybody up? Of course it will. Will somebody write a, prof- a prophecy book? Probably. But we would still be able to go to this verse and say this verse is true. To not be anxious about what you're going to eat, and what you're going to wear, and what time is going to do for you, because you can't change all that stuff. You have to trust in God that He is the God who closed the fields, He is the God who feeds the birds, and He is the God that is over our lives and our time. David said, my time is in your hands. By the way, when Jesus says, O you of little faith, King James is really great. O ye of little faith, right? Do you know that in Greek, that what Jesus actually said was, how much more will he clothe you, little faiths? Almost like it's almost a made up word in Greek. We translate it as O you of little faith, because that's as close to making sense of it as we can. But it's almost like Jesus was jabbing them in the ribs, like you would use as a nickname. Not that anybody, boys are more understanding of what I'm trying to describe than girls sometimes. Because guys, do uh, any of you have fun little names for your friends? Like, hey, fat boy! Right? I would not see girls doing that very often, because then they would go into that anxious thing. And lots of tears. But, but this is the way guys are. Hey, fatty McFadhead! That's the way guys talk, right? Okay. Alright. I'm not saying that's exactly what Jesus did. But what he's saying is, how much more is God going to take care of you, little faiths? It's almost like he's saying, come on, guys. Come on. Did you forget that God said, fear not, I am with you. I have called you by name. Child, you are mine. When you walk through the waters, I will be with you. And through the flame, you will not be burned. Fear not. I am with you. Your Father knows that you need all all of them. Look at verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you the priority, the way that we fight anxiety, the way that we serve God instead of money, is to seek first the kingdom of God. That is the way that we fight anxiety. When you wake up, and I heard a preacher say this, he said, I have to get saved every morning. Now he doesn't mean that he's getting born again, again, every single morning. What he means is, is that he is a person, and I understand this, who wakes up and the anxiety is waiting on you. Does anybody else wake up that way? I, I have woken up many times and my heart just starts pounding. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's just there. This anxiety is just there waiting on you. I've got this thing at work I've got to deal with. I've got this thing at church I've got to deal with. I've got this thing in my head I've got to deal with. I've got this thing And I don't know if anybody who struggles with anxiety has ever noticed, but when you get through that thing, there's a new thing waiting. You know what I'm talking about? There's always another thing. Always another thing. Oh no, now I've got to be worried about that. Now I've got to be worried about her. Now I've got to be worried about him. Now I've got to be worried about that. This announcement, that thing, whatever it is, you wake up in the morning, and there's anxiety waiting on you, that thing, whatever it is, and you get saved, (laughs) you fight the fight of faith by saying, God is with me. You, Lord, are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. What can man do to me? In You I will trust. In Your Word I will praise. You, Lord, are who I am looking at today. It is your kingdom that I seek. I belong to you. My times are in your hands. And the Scripture becomes a weapon of warfare against the anxiety that's waiting for you every morning or every night when you go to sleep. Some people it's not mornings. Some people it's at night. You have to take the Word of God, the counsel of His his Spirit to us, and fight this stuff with the Word of God, not just trying to figure out a better way to make a better plan. But after you've fought the good fight of faith with Scripture, you you should be making plans. Please don't hear me saying that we all should just wake up and just wait for God to make things happen. That is not what I'm saying. We are to make plans and make preparations and live with wisdom, but we are not to do it in a way independent of God, we are supposed to be trusting Him and turning those plans over to Him and saying, Lord, we're going to seek Your kingdom and do it this way. Verse 34, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I like how Jesus tossed that one in. It's almost like he's saying, you got enough to worry about today. That's almost like what he's saying. But he's not advocating that you should be worried today. He's saying, you're not supposed to be worrying about tomorrow. You're not supposed to be anxious about what you're going to eat. You're not supposed to be anxious about what you're going to wear. What you're supposed to be doing is seeking first the kingdom of God. That's the trouble for today. Let's focus on that. Tomorrow, God's there. He will meet you there. And the grace that He has for you today will be there tomorrow. And my faith should be, that's true. That's right. I don't need to be afraid. Even if there are nuclear clouds on the news. Even if there is something crazy at work. Even if you get fired this week. It's still the same Scripture, it's still the same God, it's still the same truth that He is with us and will take care of us. I don't think I've said anything that you didn't know. So let me end with one one passage. I want everybody to go to Philippians chapter 4. Jennifer actually read some of my concluding passage this morning, which she didn't know. So I just take that to mean we need encouraged to not be anxious. We need encouraged to look to God. We need to be encouraged to not isolate ourselves from one another. We need to be encouraged not to just look at the news and go through our favorite YouTube channels and see what's going on in the world, and it's all falling apart, and what are we going to do, and oh no, and oh no, and oh no, and we've got to quit that and trust in Him. We still prepare. We still plan. still take care of all the stuff we're supposed to take care of. But we take care of it trusting Him. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Did you need a specific text that tells you how this works? The way that we fight against anxiety, the way we fight is with His Word and with prayer. Now, that probably shouldn't be rocket science, right? But you and I have to be intentional about doing this on purpose, and it is not always easy to pray when you wake up and your heart is pounding and you're frustrated or you find yourself having drifted off for 15 minutes and just rolling these worried, anxious thoughts. I just know this is going to happen, and if this happens, this will happen, and if that happens, then this next thing will happen, and then this other thing will probably happen, and then this person will think this thing, and then this thing is going to happen because they thought that, and they'll say this, and they'll post that, and this is going to happen, and and you know how that happens, right? This is how worry works. And instead of going down in all of those rabbit holes, you just stop and you... If you have to literally get the Bible out and stick it in your face and read it out loud and say this is what I believe, this is who I'm trusting. This is this is who I have my hope in and my faith in. If you get out the book of Psalms and read them like prayers if you don't know how to pray if you don't know how to pray. But here he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything pray give thanks, and the peace of God guards your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And then Paul says, Jennifer read it this morning, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. The God of peace will be with you. My my prayer this morning is that we will turn our hearts and our minds and our prayers towards God in a way that is not just an anxious, oh no, oh no, oh no, what's going to happen, oh no, oh no, oh no. Or, oh no, oh no, oh no, do you see what's happening? Oh no, oh no, oh no. Because I've already admitted, we're living in weird times. We are. And if we aren't equipped from Scripture to deal with it, we're just going to be run over by this bulldozer of anxiety. And we're not going to know what to do. We're just going to lay down and let it just smash us into the dirt with everybody else. And we will be tempted, and many people are tempted, to walk away from faith in God. People are pressed by anxiety, in some cases so much, that they start doubting that God is even there. So, fight! Fight! Don't just say, well, this is the way I am. This is the way my mom was, and this is the way grandma was, and this is the way great-grandma Ida was, and this is how we all are, and this is just the way that it is, and and I've got this, and I've got that, and I... Fight it. Fight the anxiety with Scripture, with prayer. Go to the Lord and look at His promises and what He has said. He is with us. No matter what happens, No matter what happens, He's going to be with us. Persecution, nakedness, sword, famine. He is with us. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's stand up. The way we're going to serve God is we're going to trust that He's our source. We're going to put our faith in Him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name and we thank you for this day. Lord, I I pray that you would take these verses. Maybe one that somebody read. Maybe these out of Matthew and out of Philippians. But God, I pray you would give us reminders that the Sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, and that we can fight anxiety and trust in You. Lord, I pray that this week we would look to You, no matter what happens, good or bad, that our trust, our hope, our love, our passion would be towards You and seeking Your kingdom. Lord, let us be lights in a dark place and unify all of us. Unify us in Your grace and in Your love. Forgive us where we've gotten out of bounds. God, help us to be a church filled with humility and love and care and kindness for one another. Lord, we thank you for it all in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Church, you are officially dismissed.